We had teams making statements in week two, some we expected, some maybe not so much. We had new uniforms. We had a team with a new uniform and a new turnover celebration. Greg, the action was about as hot as the score grill on Friday night here. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. So we got all that, plus the start of Western Big Six Conference play. Here we go, Mitch. Yeah, let's get into it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, we're back talking week two and looking ahead at week three. We're one day delayed, but for a very good reason. Mitch, you made a pilgrimage back to Whiteside County, back to Morrison, the hometown. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good to get back, uh, back to the old stomping grounds. Was able to uh, to get in late Friday night, catch uh, catch the score, um, and see some of the highlights. Don't get to see a lot of them sometimes, so good to see some of these teams that we talk about and, and actually see them in action. So good to be there. Went to, to Morrison High on, uh, on Sunday morning. Took, uh, took two of my kids to see the old stomping grounds and see the field. So nice nostalgic uh, trip, And uh, but good to be back and good to be talking about the, the action here from uh, this past week. Mitch, how excited were your kids to relive the glory days of Mitch Stormer, QB1? <laughs> they wanted to see it, uh, so okay. that's exciting. Um, I think uh, Kyle Kantmeyer from NUICFootball.com commented something like, you know, the stadium itself was a you know, timeless relic, something like something along those lines. And it's, yeah. it's funny because, you know, they've, they've slapped some new paint on, they've added some, some flags and some flair built in yeah. the concession stand. But, you know, it, uh, it still feels the same as uh, when I walked off however many years ago that was 20 years ago no not that long 15 years ago or so but uh you know good to see it good to see it's still uh, in good shape and uh hopefully it'll it'll see some wins here uh, as the mustangs uh, continue on absolutely well mitch i know we're not a we're not a college football podcast but mitch i think we should talk about all of the exciting iowa touchdowns from uh last week and that is the end of our discussion so thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining us on iowa football recap <laughs> All right. I, I had to get that dig in, you know, it's, yeah, it's, that's too, fair. it's too good not to. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you to everyone who's been listening and spreading the word. Mitch, we're getting a ton of great feedback and that's of course, awesome to hear. If you like what we're doing, you want to support view from the West podcast. We got a couple ways you can do that. First, you can consider being a sponsor. If you have a local business, you want us to promote, reach out to us and let us know. Contact view from West pod at gmail.com. And let's talk. We have several different options for you to jump on board. We can promote your business. You can support local high school athletics. If you don't have a business, but you still want to support what we're doing, head over to PayPal. Again, on PayPal, you can make a donation to viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Obviously, Mitch, this is a passion for us. We're not trying to get rich doing this, but there are expenses that come along with running a podcast and not to mention the time commitment. So if, you know, there's people out there that support local high school football and they want to support View from the West, we appreciate it. Of course, we appreciate our listeners. So thank you to everyone who's spreading the word and, and making this, you know, what it is. It's, it's a lot of fun every week. Yeah, um, we're certainly interested if anyone wants to jump on board. You know, we, we've had a, a nice, a nice rise and, you know, uh, 
followers on Twitter. Uh, our, our views, are, our listens are good on podcast downloads. So, you know, it, it's a good opportunity, I think, for a local business to maybe get involved with us. And if, if they if they choose not to, that's fine. We'll keep doing it. But um, I think we uh, we can offer some some help if they're looking for it in, in a nice, easy way. So yeah, reach out to us if you're interested in something like that. Either way, we just appreciate the downloads. We appreciate the listens. That's what we're here for. It's a ton of fun. So Mitch, we're going to jump into the headlines, what we call our viewpoints. I'll start with yeah. you. What's your, what's your viewpoint, your headline from week number two? Yeah, well, we talked about in week one, kind of maybe being hesitant to judge teams' performances, whether they won or they lost, and, and really not taking a whole lot of stock in those performances week one you never know what's going to happen um some results we expected some results we didn't and really we got the same this week so i think this week is more about redemption maybe we saw some teams lose in week one um that got back on track this week just you know thinking off the top of my head rock island good win for them uh looking at rock ridge great game a great win against newman after getting really taken you know uh taken to town by by princeton so um, uh, Quincy Notre Dame, another one. So we'll get we'll get into a bunch of, bunch of these, but really liked what I saw from a couple of teams bouncing back from a, from tough week one losses. Yeah, that's a great point. for For my viewpoint this week, I'm going at, going to the Western Big Six, and I'm talking about I like that these Western Big Six teams really challenging themselves in the non conference schedule. You look this week alone. You had Moline going on the road to Bennett Academy. You had uh-huh. Geneseo on the road at Grays Lake Central. You had Sterling on the road at Wheaton St. Francis, not to mention United Township going on the road to 8A top-ranked Loyola Academy. Yep. Now, all that being said, the victories didn't show up. You know, the victories aren't there, but I still think these are very important games heading into Western Big Six play. I think mm-hmm. these teams challenge themselves and they competed, and they were right, for the most part, a lot of these teams were right in these games. You know, St. Francis and Sterling came down to the end, Moline and Bennett Academy, Grays Lake and Geneseo, they all battled tough through most yep. of that their games. I think that's a positive sign for those teams. Yeah, I hope that, you know, the, the players and coaches realize that too um, and use this as a jump-off point. You're getting great experience playing these teams, um, I think every team that you mentioned is is a returning playoff team from last season. So, and in, in, in the case of UT, uh, playing not only in the top division, but they're the top team in the top division. So, the, the runners up last year in the state championship game, but I would imagine they'll be uh, contenders again. So, um, yeah, now that we're getting into to the meat of the Western Big Six schedule, um, I think you're going to see that payoff for some of these teams. Yeah, well, let's jump into the Western Big Six recap from week number two. One of the teams you referenced as kind of that redemption, Rock Island. They get the win over Dunlap 26-13. Mitch, we always stress the importance of a good start, especially last week in week number one, how to start the season. But in week two, it's just the same. Coach Hammer and the Rocks certainly got off to a great start in this one. They started each half of the game with a touchdown on their first play from scrimmage. So each score came within 18 seconds of the start of the first and the third quarters. So they were off and running very quick. These rocks were Darius Tongo scored on the first offensive play from scrimmage in the first quarter. In the third quarter, the kickoff was received by Dunlap. They cough it up. Rock Island senior Jaquez Smith 
picks it up, goes 16 yards to the end zone, dragging two Eagle defenders with him. So great start for the Rocks. Mitch, the Rock Island defense then forced a three and out. The offense responds in that third quarter with a three-play, 56-yard drive. Again, it's Darius Tongo scoring from 20 yards out. That gave Rock Island the eventual final score of 26 to 13. So, Mitch, we'll talk about the offensive numbers, but let's talk about Rock Island's defense. Yeah. Mitch, we called them out. We talked about yep. it last week that there's a lot of points being put on the board. This week, they hold a good Dunlap team to 13 points. More importantly, after they get that huge play on special teams, they hold them on defense. Then they get the ball back and score and essentially put the game out of reach. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Coming off their last two games against Springfield and then Pekin, um, we, we had questions, and I'm, I'm sure we weren't alone. Um, and the players rose to the occasion on this one. So a Dunlap, a good team coming off that win against Galesburg in week one. So, yeah, this is the type of momentum you want to see, especially like we talked about as, as the Western Big Six schedule really starts to heat up. And they're going to see these good offenses week in and week out. Um, very encouraging here from, from Rock Island and a good springboard to work forward to. Uh, they, they can obviously do it um, on the defensive end. And obviously good to see them on the offensive end to get more of a rhythm. Uh, they were good in the passing game and on the ground. So a nice balance there. So really good in, uh, in all phases of their game on Friday. Yeah, well, let's talk about those offensive numbers. Quarterback Connor DiUlio, 12 of 16 with 136 yards and a touchdown. Quintarian Brooks finished with 173 total yards. Another solid performance from him. And man, I really like what I see out of Darius Tongo. Yeah. He's, you know, I think uh, Coach Hammer calls him the Swiss Army Knife. Does a little bit of everything for the Rocks. Mm -hmm. And that that's such a fun athlete to have on the field. Yeah. Um, again, an offense that we talked about was in a little bit of a, of a, a rebuild or reload, however you want to look at it. But um, yeah, Darius Tongo coming in, um, had two really good weeks here, and this was a, a good standout game for him. Um, and as you said, just the offense in general, getting off of that, that quick start, first quarter, third quarter, really setting the momentum, uh, that's going to put your opponent, you know, uh, in a bad place, no matter who you're playing. So yeah, good win for Rock Island here and excited to see them as they, uh, as they move forward here with a win under their belt. Yeah, I think they start the Western Big Six conference play with momentum building now. And I think that there's potential for them to grab a few wins now moving forward quickly in the Western Big Six. Let's move along to Rock Island's rival in Moline. They went on the road to Bennett Academy. They fall short 24-21. This was a tight game throughout. Moline played well in this one. They grabbed an early lead. Grant Sibley, I saw the highlights on Twitter through Bennett Academy. Grant Sibley threw a perfect lead pass to Chase Stevens into the end zone. That got Moline on the board early in this one. It was great, Mitch, right down the sideline. It's, it's the it's the type of pass you dream of as a quarterback and as a wide receiver. He nailed it. Later in the half, Bennett, quarterback, fumbles the ball right into the hands of Heisen Bay He scoops it up, runs it in for the lead of 13-7. to It kind of took one of those turf bounces, got a real high hop, and man, he caught it in stride, didn't miss a beat, and he was gone. Perfect. Great play. Moline would hold Bennett to a field goal but the Red Wings would get a touchdown and grab the lead 17-13 before the break. They would end up going up 24-13, but Moline did not go away. Mason Woods scored in the fourth quarter, but that's as close as the Maroons would get. So a tough way to go down. But again, Mitch, I think that these games, 
you know, they're, they're tough competition and you fall short, but it's a great building block for what could be a great Western Big Six season for Moline and some of these other teams are about to reference. Yeah, uh, tough, tough loss here for Moline, but they certainly played well against a really good opponent. So uh, with, with their week one win and good experience in this one, regardless of what it shows in the loss column, I think it, I think it will uh, do them favors in the end as we get into as we get into play here. Um, you know, they, they got a tough test here to see really, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but um, they open up Western Big Six play with the only unbeaten team in the conference in Quincy. So um, I think that could be a game that really starts to maybe show some separation or maybe just even things out a little bit. But, um, you know, encouraging game here from Moline. Again, you don't want to take too much stock in it, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens here in uh, week three. Yep. Another tough non-conference road test for the Western Big Six. Geneseo goes on the road to Grays Lake Central. They fall 24-14, but they battled. Geneseo battled tough in this one. Grays Lake Central was a 6A playoff team a year ago that won a game. They won their first round game a year ago in Class 6A. So this is another high-end opponent that you're going on the road to face. I give credit for Gen- give credit to Geneseo for taking the test and challenging themselves because, again, mm-hmm. I think they're, these are the type of teams you're going to see in the Western Big Six. You're going to be pushed. You're going to be tested. In this one, they were tied at halftime. They were only down seven with a few minutes left, but they end up falling short by 10, like we said. But another, another great game from the Maple Leafs, and I think, like I said, I, I think it'll do them well. Yeah, last year, Geneseo started 2-0 and against maybe some lesser opponents. You know, they, they put up a lot of offense in those games. And, and it's not to say that that's why – uh, you know, they might've dropped off just a little bit in terms of their record last season. But um, yeah, this, this, I think, again, as we've talked about, it'll help Geneseo. It'll help all these teams that they play these tougher opponents early on, give them something to look back on for the rest of their seven regular season games um, and, and to build off of, as you mentioned, they were only down seven. I think Gray's like kicked a field goal with just over two minutes left to really kind of put it away. So good to see a fight here from the Maple Leafs and uh, I expect more of that here uh, moving on. Yep, let's move down the way here. St. Francis gets the win 35-27 over Sterling. Again, that was Sterling on the road in Wheaton. Another tight game throughout. Sterling battled, but in the end, St. Francis had just a little too much firepower. The big name being Amari Head, who finished with 163 total yards, 123 of those coming on the ground, three total touchdowns. Mitch, he was a playmaker for this for this St. Francis team, and mm-hmm. that was that was the big difference for them. Yeah, um, uh, we in St. Francis is always a tough team, regardless of that looks like they're going to have another good year. But this was another good performance by Sterling, I thought, um, at least on, on, on the offensive end of the end of the game. You know, their, their dual quarterbacks uh, of J.P. Schilling and Kale Ryan uh, combined for just about 100 yards and four scores. I saw Schilling's uh, touchdown run. He's just such a smooth runner. Um, yeah, yep. and, and, and as is Kale Ryan, not to take anything away from him, but um, – and, and really, too, just I think that, again, it, it, we're sounding like a broken record a little bit because some of these Western Big Six teams lo- lost this week. But I all thought they played well against Sterling here. They showed their offensive, you know, uh, power, their versatility. Um, you know, you can talk about Antonio Tablante here in a minute, but um, it, it's still encouraging, right? It, it's still encouraging regardless of the loss. I sound like me describing the Notre Dame game this weekend. Um, <laughs> so there's things, there's things to like. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of 
of back and forth and maybe some shifting in the standings. Cause I think there's good teams here in the Western big six. I don't know that there's uh, really a, a favorite. Uh, we've, we've, you know, raved about Sterling and Moline here this season so far based on their week ones. But um, you know, I think there's a lot of season left. There certainly is seven games left here in conference play. So um, going to be going to get interesting. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I think there's parody. I think you're going to see a lot of parody in the Western big six. Before we move along, I want to reference, yeah, you mentioned Antonio Tablante. I saw a video on Twitter of his efforts from the game against St. Francis. And Mitch, he's just a workhorse. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, he just, he runs hard. He's not afraid of that contact. He's not afraid of the contact on either, either side of the ball. He's making tackles on defense. He's running hard on offense. I just, that's the type of, you know, that workmanlike effort that this team, this coaching staff, his teammates have got to appreciate because it may not make all of the frontline headlines or the, you know, the highlights, but I think it's, man, it's work that is very valuable. Yeah. And I think we expected that based on everything that he's done the past, certainly last season. Um, and yeah, I, I saw the highlights from this, this one as well. So he's just, uh, again, you take him, you take the, the quarterback duos, you take the rest of that offensive attack. Um, you know, they're going to be fine. We'll, we'll leave it at that. They're going to be fine. And uh, looking forward to seeing how they look this season. But speaking of that, Greg, how yeah. did they look? How did they look? Well, yeah. Let, so I got a I got a text from uh, Coach Slemmer. I believe it was Thursday night, and he said uh, new threads with like the eyeball emoji, you know. And I so I immediately said, "What does that mean? What are we What are we talking about here?" And he said, "Gold pants." That's all he said. Yep. So we kept talking a little bit, and. It, Apparently it's the first time that they've worn them since he's been there. And it's been the first time in a long time. I think Sterling may have worn gold pants in the past in, in previous decades, but uh, yeah, it's been a while since they've done that. Mitch, your thoughts, your initial reaction to the look. Yeah. I think I remember them wearing gold pants back in, in my day in the early two uh, thousands. So I don't, I don't think they're too far removed from that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 shout out uh, Zach Shapiro. He sent us the first pictures of those of those uniforms on on Friday. So yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, we've been teased that there's going to be new jerseys too. I don't know yep. if it's home and away, but um, certainly uh, away. I think was the understanding that we took from it. So yeah, I liked it. That they're plain simple, uh, a new look to play with on on uh, on home and away games. So yeah, good look. And this is going to be a recurring theme here on this episode as more and more teams are starting to incorporate alternative options. And you know, we like that. Oh, we love it. We love it. There was a lot. I felt like more so than almost any other podcast we've done in our, what, three seasons now. Oh yeah. This was a week where it was like, everybody had a new look or a new, you know, new element to their uniform. It was great. Yeah. I think I counted seven that we're going to talk about here in the show. So, and that's just the ones that I caught. There could be more. And anyone yep. who is listening to this, as always, please let us know of these things because we want to see it. We want to promote it. So if you've got something coming up, please tag us on Twitter and uh, we'll, we'll spread it around. Cause we like, we like that stuff. Yeah. Let's move into, We've talked about tough road tests. This is probably the toughest road test of all of them. I don't think there's any question in that. Yeah. United Township goes on the road to top-ranked 8A Loyola Academy. They fall short 61-7. to Mitch, it's just it's a tough loss to United Township, but let's give them a ton of credit for going up there on the road, not only against a big school 
But like we referenced, uh, one of the premier programs in the state of Illinois mm-hmm. took the challenge on and they went and, you know, play the game. Let's see what happens. And hopefully they can use it as a learning experience and to see that team playing at that high of a level that, you know, it, it spreads, you know, it wears off on them a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and again, credit to, to coach uh, Nick Welsh and the team. And I, I don't think they're looking for a moral victory here, but uh, it shows something bigger, right? It shows that they're not going to be afraid to go against these bigger teams and get that experience, you know, loyal Academy, a team that lost in the state final last year uh, to Lockport in eight day. Their week one game this week was out of state playing a traditional power in St. Xavier here in Cincinnati. So um, uh, again, credit to them. In terms of the game, um, just to kind of give you a reference to how good the Ramblers are, their quarterback, Jake Sterney, was 7-7, seven of seven, 114 yards with a touchdown, and he had two carries for 30 yards and two scores in the only quarter that he played in. So this is yeah. just such a, a talented, deep team in Loyola. Um, Matthew Kelly, a bright spot here. He had a long touchdown for them. Uh, I believe it was upwards of 70 yards and scored on, on that. So. Um, you know, even against a, a big opponent like that, Kelly continues to shine. I think he'll continue to do so in the conference games this year. So um, they, they'll they'll throw this game in, in the experience pocket and uh, hopefully draw from it. But uh, I don't think it's going to linger on, on the Panthers too much. So, uh, again, all credit to them. And uh, still looking forward to seeing, you know, they're 0-2, um, two tough losses, but looking forward to seeing what their season holds. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have their work cut out for them now heading into Western Big Six play. But we've talked a lot about the talent they have, and I think that they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be a team that we need to watch out for, and they got a really interesting matchup like they did last year to lead off the Western Big Six season. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that we'll see a lot of highlights and positives coming for the Panthers down the road very quickly. Let's go to Quincy Notre Dame gets the win over Alleman 38 to nothing. Raiders used a balanced offensive attack. They took advantage of some Alleman miscues. They wore down the Pioneers. They get their first win of the season. They lost last week. Notre Dame did two rival in-town rival Quincy. So they get back into it. Uh, Mitch, the senior quarterback for the Raiders, you referenced him last week. Yeah. He had, a, he had another great game. Yeah, he, a great game in, in the uh, the Gem City Bravo last weekend. So Jackson Stratton is who we're talking about here. He ran for two more touchdowns and uh, completed seven of 14 passes for 101 yards and another score. So three scores for him on the night. Um, he wasn't the only one. They had a great offensive effort here and defensive, obviously, with the shutout. But uh, talking about Brock Wiley, 93 yards and a touchdown and only seven carries. Uh, Jordan Stickler had 74 yards and eight carries. So, um, uh, you know, despite the week one loss for Notre Dame, um, I thought they played well against Quincy, certainly played well here. And for all of them, you know, Again, you look at the score and it's kind of reminiscent of, of years past, but in, in seeing the game and, and reading about it and seeing some highlights, it certainly looks different, right? The Allman had their opportunities, had some miscues. Obviously, depth for Allman is going to be an issue this year. So if, if teams can do what Quincy Notre Dame did, it's going to be tough to overcome from that. But it, it, it just didn't seem like a typical Allman loss. So that's that's encouraging, I think. Um I think they were in position to score a couple times and just those miscues just, just hurt them. So, um, you know, we, again, as we've talked about with Allman, they got that week, the win in week one, not sure what else the rest of the season is going to hold, but they're certainly going to play better. They did this, this week. And uh, you know, for, for Notre Dame, good to get their first win, a team that I referenced kind of having some redemption 
uh, here in week two. Yep, let's stay in Quincy. Quincy Blue Devils get the 48-19 to win over Alton. The Blue Devils built a 31-point lead by halftime. They cruise to an easy 48-19 to victory. They're now 2-0 on the season. Mitch, the only Western Big Six team that is 2-0. Mm-hmm. So Jarius Rice finished with 94 yards rushing on 10 carries. Braden Little at quarterback, 16 for, 16 for 20, 184 yards. Six different receivers had at least one catch. So he's spreading the love there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, we talked about Jarius Rice in the last game uh, in, in week one in their win over, over Notre Dame. So another good win for him. Let me let me side note here, Greg. Yep. Did you see uh, Jarrell Brock's run? in week one yes i did yeah i actually i saw the highlight on twitter and uh yeah. my son was sitting right next to me and I, that's one of those immediate like stop everything you're doing watch this play yeah and my son was blown away could not believe it yeah yeah i, I tweeted that out on our on our uh on our account if anyone wants to, to find it but yeah yeah just completely locks up the brakes on a poor defender and just <laughs> goes right by him so yeah um you know Shout out to Quincy for having, you know, a, a good kind of history of running backs as it seems like they've got a good one at Iowa State. They've got a good one at Quincy now and Jarius Rice. So, yep. um, it, and I, I kind of referenced this with Moline earlier. Um, Quincy and Moline, really interesting matchup here in week one. Is is Quincy for real here? Can they get a huge win over Moline or does Moline kind of get things back to where they expect to be uh, and get their second win and start a conference play with a win? I'm really intrigued by this game. Yeah, so before we get to previewing week three, we'll head over to Galesburg. They get the big 52-12 to win. That's their first win of the season. The Silver Streaks erupt to a 38-0 halftime lead. They dominated Harvey Thornton 52-12 to to claim their first victory of the season. John Sibley with a 40-yard punt return for a touchdown. And Amari Richardson, the first of three rushing touchdowns in the game that got Galesburg off to a 14-0 start in the first quarter. Richardson added a 47-yard touchdown run in the second. Tristan Legate to Mikey Eicher for a 16-yard pass. Sam Satiski kicked a 37-yard field goal. Mitch, we talk about Satiski every week on the podcast, kicking field goals. So he's in here again. That was all what led to a 38-0 halftime lead. Again, Satiski, seven extra points along with field goals. Before this night was over, so great effort from him, Mitch. Good to see the silver streaks on the board with the win col- in the win column. They look good on the field, literally, Mitch. They looked good. Yeah, and look, I hate to say it, I'm gonna have to to uh, divert this to you because I haven't seen them. I saw the, the silver helmets, which I think look great. I haven't seen the whole look. So okay, so it's kind of a. Uh a similar set to what like Sterling had a few years ago. I think okay. Sterling looks a little different now, but either case it's similar pants. The, the pants are very similar. The helmet is silver mm-hmm. with a black face mask. And it still, I believe has the railroad tracks going up the middle. Okay. Okay. Uh, there is no decals on the sides. Okay. I kind of, kind of wish there was, you know, you go with that lightning bolt or something in there, but either mm-hmm. way, I love the, I love the um, the railroads stripe down the middle. Yeah. I think that's a great touch. Either way, it's good to see the silver streaks kind of with that black and silver look go yeah. for like the Raiders style. I think it looks awesome. There's so much potential there. Yeah, you know, I 
as much as I liked having the options of the neon that they were working with the past couple of years, like you said, good, good to see them get back to more of a traditional look. Um, maybe more of a, uh, name relevant, I guess, you know, it's more, yeah, yeah. It, it plays up more to the silver street name. So yeah. Um, I will have to look that up. I've seen the helmets, just need to see the whole look, but uh, I can already tell that it's, I'll, I'll like it probably a little bit better than I, I have in previous uh, uniform iterations there for, for Galesburg. There you go. Well, let's look into the Western Big Six week three slate of games. Mitch, of course, we are now in conference play. Mm-hmm. So as if games weren't important enough already, man, now there's really little room for error here. So let's dive into it. Geneseo at United Township. That was a great game a year mm-hmm. ago at Geneseo with United Township coming away with the win. You have Sterling at Galesburg, Quincy at Moline, Alleman at Rock Island. So the battle for Rock Island in that one. Yep. Mitch, I think I know where you're going. I think uh, I think I know what you like here. Yeah, I like all of them. I, I mean, really. Um, <laughs> That's you, cheating. You, know, th- th- you can't say that. Yeah, well, okay. That's fair. Uh, yeah, Quincy Moline, I think, is going to be a separator, you know, um, as I kind of referenced just a second ago. Is Quincy for real? Can they get to 3-0 with a big win against Moline under their belt? Or does Moline kind of take that leap and, and the first step here, taking down a good opponent here in their quest to win the championship, uh, regular season championship here? But I, I, I guess I really like all these games. Um, you know, back in the day, Allman and Rock Island was a must-see, must-see matchup in the conference. Yeah. Um, Sterling and Galesburg, again, teams that are one-and-one one who can get their second win. And as you referenced, you know, see UT was a good game last year. Two really good quarterbacks, two really good offenses there. Um, speaking of that game, I did see a note. I think there are specific uh, parking or driving directions for the Soul Bowl, I believe. So if you're going, if you're attending that game, please check uh, any of the school's social media. Um, I don't know if it's certain parking lots or certain roads that are closed, but I did see a quick note about that. So just make sure your travel is uh, planned accordingly. This is why Mitch is the is the guru on Twitter. Look at this. Even a public service announcement for parking United Township. We are a full service podcast, Mitch. Yeah. Yep. I could <laughs> again. I couldn't tell you specifics. Just it's just me directing you to to look at it and figure it out for yourself. But I, just I know that I, there's something going on at the Soul Bowl, <laughs> and you should be aware of it. I think I saw I saw the tweet and saw like an image with some lines on it. I, I yeah. Didn't, yeah. 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 No, but it's, it's great to know. It's that is Where, great information. Yeah, where are you, if, if you can't go, look at uh, Quincy Moline, where are you looking at here? If I can't go with Quincy and Moline, I got to look Geneseo Sterling, or yeah. sorry, Geneseo at United Township. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's a game where one of these teams, it, there's probably only room for one of them to make that jump up to that like upper yeah. echelon. If one team's going to make that move, it starts at this game. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. If somebody's going to make that leap, it starts with this game. This game is a separator between these schools. Last year was such a good game. I feel like both of these teams, with the way their roster is constructed, with young talent last year, and now this young talent kind of developing and being a little more solidified this year, they're both the same roster makeup. Mm-hmm. So who who gets the edge this go around? That's going to be a good one there. And now that I'm talking myself into it, I may need to know these parking situations because maybe that's the game I'm going to go to. So Yeah, they'll probably send you to the most confusing operation. <laughs> yeah. uh, having gone to eight-man in Millersville last week, they'll probably give you uh, a hard assignment here this week. So Yeah, uh, but we got to talk about Quincy at Moline. I think that Quincy, yeah. Quincy gets credit for being the only undefeated team in the Western Big Six. But I think when you look at their schedule, I don't know 
Quincy Notre Dame is a good school. That's a good mm-hmm. rivalry win for them. But a win over Alton, even though it was a big win, a convincing win, I don't know that carries the same weight as what a, you know different programs around the state would 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 bring. That being said, Moline challenged themselves, came up short on the road, and you know so they didn't get the win. They're not two and zero, but man, they still have that real. They still have a really good football team, and they had a really great experience even in a loss, right? Right. Um, and I'm, I'm curious now, Greg, and I'm pulling up as we talk about it. it since um, since Quincy played has already won conference game that in under their belt, they've got to have an out of conference game coming up on their on their schedule, right? No. So Notre Dame, Quincy Notre Dame is not a conference game. Okay. Nope. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I. Uh, yep. I. That was a, a a blank on my part. So you're right. Retracted. So the thing to remember though is that last year in Quincy, the Blue Devils had Moline down at the half before Moline came back, stormed back, and won the game 48-35. Yeah. So that was that was one of those games that stood out to me because it was like, oh, this Quincy team is young, but man, they played really well at home and they had a very good Moline team on the ropes. And Moline responded. Credit to them. They were on the road. They responded and came away with a huge win. All those players are back for Quincy for the most part. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. impact players are back. They're going on the road, though. You have to go to Moline. Can they make that same type of splash? Yeah, and it could be a game of game management, clock management, two really good running teams, right? Yeah. Um, time of possession could really play a factor in this one. So, uh, yeah, can, can Jarius Rice do what he's been doing? Can Moline's seemingly, you know, try-headed, quad-headed attack uh, break down the Quincy defense? Um, yeah, looking for, uh, again, as we've talked about, looking forward to this one. Can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to see it. Well, you talk about the running game, but before we move along, I think another important aspect is the passing game in Grant sure. Sibley, Grant Sibley sure. for Moline and Braden Little for Quincy. Which yep. one of those quarterbacks comes up with the pass, with the play that makes that separation? They don't have right. to throw, they don't have to throw 50 passes, but right. which one comes away with that crucial pass that is so needed? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I look no further than week 1 in the Quincy Notre Dame game where they played uh, really tight and scored on a, I don't know if it's play action, but a, a wheel route uh, pass that yep. Notre Dame was not expecting. Jarius Rice was wide open. So again, like you said, yeah, I shouldn't have left the passing attack because both teams are very capable of that. So um, how are they going to utilize that? Can somebody uh, make the right play at the right time? Because that might be what's what's really going to separate this and, and what could be a, a very, very close game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. And, uh, you know, it's at Moline right down the street from WQAD. So if I literally wanted to make the shortest drive I possibly could, right. that's that's the game to go to. And if, if Moline comes away with the win, I don't know if Coach Morrissey is going to want to go there with – I don't know what the fire precautions are now <laughs> um, or if there's going to be a safety officer there at the squad. I don't know. Does Brian Stocking run the fire extinguishers there late at night? I don't know. Well, no, they had, luckily they had an engineer there who knew how to run that fire extinguisher. So he got it out. He was ready to go. Um, Now the thing is like, do they refill that fire extinguisher? If we set another fire, I I don't know. So I guess starting a a fire will be the only way to figure that out. (laughs) It all depends on who is the guest griller. Who's going to, 
right. you know, can we control the flames this week? Well, I guess we'll find out. That's the fun of live TV. It certainly was on uh, on Friday night. Yep. Mitch, you mentioned it, and I want to plug it on here. You can catch WQAD The Score on YouTube live every Friday night when they go live at 1035. Actually, they start about 1030 now. So mm-hmm. either tune in on WQAD Channel 8 or you can watch live on YouTube. So Mitch, you know, you talked about not being able to watch many of the games when you're out of the area. Yeah, you can I, watch. You can tune in. I had in. no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. This this makes life a lot easier now. So uh, excited to uh, to watch. I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to watch it live and uh, and get the action as quickly as possible. Yeah, and before we move into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, speaking of YouTube, I do want to plug the View from the West YouTube channel. Mitch, I'm going to post up my game highlights from the games that I shoot every week. We also have some coaches interviews from the past couple years on there. We have some vintage uh, score WQAD, the score episodes from Friday nights, full episodes. We also have some vintage episodes of the highlight zone. I don't know if it go back far enough to find intern Mitch Stormer. I don't think we have those, but we do have some episodes of the highlight zone when I was working there. You can also catch, which is I think is really cool, find the old broadcasts of state championship games from teams mm-hmm. from our area. So we got a yep. whole playlist of the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s. So any team from Western Big Six, Three Rivers, Lincoln Trail, NUIC, if they've been in a state championship game and it's on YouTube, we've got a playlist there for it as well. Those are fun yep. to go back and watch. So yeah, check out View from the West on YouTube as well. So Mitch... Speaking of our YouTube highlights, I was at uh, Three Rivers game, Rock Ridge and Newman. Those highlights are going to be on our YouTube channel. Okay. Before we get to that game, though, let's start on Thursday night. We had a, some Thursday night football in the Three yeah. Rivers. Princeton gets the huge win Ooh. over Orion. <laughs> yeah, over Orion, 60-20. to 20. Tigers led this one 37-7 at the half. Mitch, the Tigers jumped out so fast and they yeah. did not look back. Yeah. Um, in, in a win last week over rock Ridge, coach Ryan Pearson called it winning ugly. Um, it wasn't happy with his team's performance, even comments from the team. They weren't, you know, they didn't think they played tiger football the way that they expected to. Um, I do not think they can say that about this game because this is what you expect from a Princeton team. Um, just complete domination, no disrespect to Orient. It's just, it's Princeton's going to have a good year. That's just the way it is. They have so many weapons. They're so good. Uh, they they showed the reason that they're what five, six, you know, time reigning champs in the conference, at least in the division. So, uh, yeah, uh, business as usual for the Tigers as they just keep on rolling. Yeah. Let's run through some of the rushing yards, some of the numbers overall for Princeton, Uh, CJ Hickey had 125 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Tegan Davis, 119 yards and a touchdown. Augie Christensen added a touchdown. Tegan Davis also had 48 yards passing. Um, Murdoch for Princeton. I don't have his first name, so my apologies to him, but Murdoch had 30 or 85 yards on three catches and a touchdown. Also, Carlos Benanzdez. Oh, man, did I get that one right? Ben. Benazdez. Yes. All right. There we go. Thank you, Mitch. Connected on two field goals. Tigers sophomore Noah Laporte, a pick six in the first quarter. So a lot of different ways that this team is scoring. 
and yeah. they're being effective at all of them. So they look like a very dangerous football team. On the other end, Mitch, I will say, I think this Orion team is still an improved football team over what we saw a year ago. Yeah. But I think they were just overwhelmed in this one. I think this was a Tigers football team that was determined to make a statement early. And unfortunately, it was Orion on the other side of the football for this one. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's a weird kind of triangle, quadrilateral, whatever you want to call it. You know, Orion beats Hall last week by like 30. Yep. Princeton beats Rock Ridge last week. And then you flip the script. Hall gets a big win that we'll talk about soon. Rock Ridge gets a big win that we'll talk about soon. So you see in these teams kind of back and forth, but the constant remains Princeton. They're just, again, again incredibly good. Um, and that's all to say, like, again, Orion won last week by 30 against a team that won this week, had a big win. So Orion's a really good football team. Uh, Rock Ridge is a really good football team, and Princeton has disposed of both of them with relative ease. So, um, yeah, again, this is what we expect from Princeton. This is what they've been doing for the last couple of years. So just uh, a dynamic team on, on all facets of the field. Well, we talked about it at the start of the show, teams making statement wins. And that, yeah. you know, that's teams with statement wins. That sounds cliche, but this one is the truth for Princeton. Yeah. Because I think this win, after all of the other results that you just referenced, it kind of proves that there's Princeton and then maybe there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, there's a lot of football left to be played. Anything right. can happen in any week. But I think we've seen now that Princeton is that good, but they got to go in every week and prove it. They, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's what you have to do to really be a great dominant football team. So great yep. effort for them. And I think they're, they're going to be obviously right in the mix of favorite to win the conference. I think Orion will also on their side of the division be a player to watch out for as well. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to a team that really impressed me. Rock Ridge gets the 33 to eight win over Newman. Mitch, this was the game I was at a defensive battle for the majority of the first three quarters. I showed up at halftime and it was six, nothing Rock Ridge with the lead. Rockridge in the first half before I got there had several opportunities in the red zone, but Newman was able to come up with the stops. So Rockridge was coming up short when they needed to score points, but they still were up six, nothing, but this game really broke open in the third quarter. Newman's quarterback drops back to pass ball comes loose. Freshman Ryan lower scoops it up, runs it in for 40 yards for the touchdown that made it 12, nothing. Rock Ridge would then immediately capitalize a few minutes later. Jacob Bain quarterback hits Peyton Locke in stride, a beautiful 45-yard touchdown pass, and that was it. Rock Ridge was off and rolling in this one. They won that game comfortably. I think the only touchdown that Newman had was on special teams. So, you know, we've been impressed with Rock Ridge offense the last few years. Last Mm -hmm. year, I think their defense was a question mark occasionally. This was a game where they made that statement. This is a game where I think we can now look at and say, this Rockridge defense is different now. They're different this year. Yeah, a, a nice complimentary piece to uh, what, look, what appears to be a, a good offense. They scored points on Princeton, which I think will prove to not be an easy task. And then certainly with Newman too. So um, they've got the offense. Now they're playing a little bit better on defense. Yeah, again, a team that I – would call out as one of those redemption teams I talked about in my viewpoint, a, a great win here. Paint lock, I think had three scores in this one. So um, 
you know, on the Newman side of the ball, you know, they, they get the win last week against Morrison. Their scores kind of came in short yardage. I yep. think they also had a big special teams play in that. So yep. I don't know if there's concern for the Newman offense. Um, I, I, you know, just obviously they put up the points in week one, but I, I would like to see more from the comments here as they move on. Cause I don't know that they've maybe played at their best on offense, but this is two weeks in a row that just maybe they haven't got things figured out on the offense. I know coach LeMay said he was looking for versatility. So maybe they're still working some things out. That's certainly understandable. Um, but you know, to make a run in this conference to get to that five wins, the six win automatic one. Uh, let's hope that they find that identity sooner than later. Mitch, I think you make getting back to Rock Ridge. I think you make a great point that last week, when you look at that Princeton game, yes, Rock Ridge ended up losing to Princeton, but that loss really came in the second half. Yeah, where Princeton really wore them down, and that was when Tegan Davis kind of showed off his athleticism and really kind of broke the back of that Rock Ridge defense. But yeah. up until that point, I think Rockridge played a really good half of football and kept Princeton for the most part in check as mm-hmm. good as I think you could hope to do with a Princeton team that was often, you know, really playing well. So for getting back to what Ryan Pearson said, Princeton's head coach about, they thought they won ugly. I would flip that and say, maybe Rockridge's defense was playing that well. Sure. And that was kind of where that came from. So I'm really intrigued by Rock Ridge moving forward now. I think this was an eye-opener for me, and I want to see where they go, you know, from here on out. Yep. Let's move into other action in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Mitch, on the road, Hall, Monmouth-Roseville falls to Hall 34-24. Mitch, yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how else to phrase it, but this one was an upset. This, this was a surprise yeah. to me. I mean, it's, it's a team that we've been really high on in Monmouth-Roseville, but a name that we called out for Hall, Mac Resetich. Mm-hmm. He, he really, he did the damage for the Red Devils in this one, and that, that really is what held the Titans back in this one. Yeah, I was, I was driving uh, home. Uh, or sorry, to, to Morrison on Friday night. And I would think I was just outside of Prophetstown. You can call it home, Mitch. Morrison is yeah, still, it's, fine. it's still home. Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I was driving right outside of, of Prophetstown when the finals were kind of rolling in. And I texted you right away in all caps, Hall beat Monmouth Roseville. It just, uh, no disrespect to Hall, none at all. But yeah, we were high in Monmouth Roseville. I think we will be for good reason. Um, but this could be a really momentum swing for Hall. They had a, a, a tough week one loss to Orion. Uh, we met, we referenced it earlier. I, I think it was 42 to 12. Um, but yeah, Mac Resetich has been a constant for the past couple of seasons for them. So he had 215 yards and two scores in this game and a punt return for a touchdown and had an interception on defense. So um, yeah, Mr. Do it everything. Uh, you know, it, you hope his durability will, will last. I think it will. Uh, Cause he's been doing this for a while. So yeah, th- this is one of those, again, momentum-changing games. Either Hall for the better, hopefully not Monmouth Rose for the worse, but this was a surprising game to me, like you said. Yeah, I think the thing to remember for Monmouth Roseville, this was a crossover game, so playing the other division, it's still a, it's still a Three Rivers Conference loss overall, but I think when you look down the rest of the way for Monmouth Roseville, they have games in their schedule. They, they can still go on a run here and they can put up a lot of wins. 
and they will obviously still be very much in the mix for a three rivers conference title. That being said, like this one was kind of a clunker. I think, you know, you, you wish you could have this one back. It's tough to win on the road, but for a hall team that struggled last year, I think you kind of hope you could get through this one with a win and move into your divisional games in the three rivers. Either way, it is what it is. They're sitting at one and one and they move along for hall. This is a huge momentum builder for them. I mean, this is a team that I think was two and seven a year ago. So they're certainly hungry for any win they can get any positive momentum. And Rosetich is a player to build around. I think they use him a lot as a wildcat type quarterback, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, kind of an athlete that they just use in any type of situation and he, he proved it against Monmouth Roseville for sure. Yep, no doubt about it. I think he had a game last year. He had five touchdowns. It might have been the Morrison game. So, yeah, uh, yeah a, a star player. And, and again, like you just referenced, they were two and seven last year. But I think we both said that that was a team. This is a team that we expected to play better and have maybe more wins this year. This is certainly a good start. Yep. Let's move into Bureau Valley gets the win 20 to 14 over Sherrard. Bureau Valley actually trailed for a majority of this one. The Storm never quit. They scored the game-winning touchdown with three minutes remaining, a 20-yard run by Mason Gosens to rally for the victory. Gosens had three, all three touchdowns for the Storm in their first win of the season. Mitch, he was a name we called out last week. So this mm-hmm. kid is having a great start to the season. Yeah, um, tough loss for them in week one. Uh, but yeah, he was a constant now for two weeks in a row. So good to see them get their, their win here against uh, a, a good Sherrard team, up and coming Sherrard team, but this was still a winnable game for BV. So good to see that they had done it. Um, Greg, tell me about some motivation that they had this week. Yeah. So, okay. So Mitch, I was doing, you know, doing my homework, doing the research yeah. and I saw an article, I believe from the Bureau Val or from the Bureau County Republican, uh, Kevin Hieronymus does great job out there covering Princeton, Bureau Valley, the surrounding area. Anyway, there was a photo of the Bureau Valley team, and there were no no logos on their helmets, just the navy yeah. blue helmet. And yeah. it struck me as odd because, you know, Bureau Valley's always had either the lightning bolt or they've had the BV, you know, sticker. So they've always had something. And so I, I texted Coach Pistol over the weekend, and I said – Hey, great win, but no, no more helmet sticker. And he quickly responded back and said, he didn't think that this team qualified or he didn't, he didn't think that the bolt was deserved after their week one effort. So he Mm -hmm. wanted them to earn it back. And they did, they get the win. They earn the bolts back. He said the stickers would be back on the helmets for week three. So kind of a, you know, kind of a harsh lesson, but man, it's great motivation, right? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I texted you something like harsh but fair um, yeah. or, or harsh, but at least it worked out. So, uh, yeah, whatever whatever Coach Pistol uh, thought could could you know spark this team uh, and it worked. So uh, kudos to them. Um, and uh, now the, the players have the, you know, the satisfaction of having to put on those decals again for the second time this year. So hopefully they don't hopefully they don't lose them again, because uh, I know the pain <laughs> of having to do that. <laughs> Well, but I think it's that uh, it's that tough love, right? I mean, I think that, you know, I think you, you, you show them that tough love and they earn those stickers back. And I think now, Mitch, they won't forget the feeling of putting it back on, knowing right. that they earned it, right? That. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I, I can't, uh, uh, it, 
uh, hate on it on it too much because it, it works so um he knows his team more than i do so yeah kudos to to coach for the motivation kudos to the team uh for for stepping up to the challenge and earning those uh those bolts back yeah overall i like it i, I like coach pistol i i like the way he leads that team and i think it's just a you know i think it's a well-run program i, I like sure. following yep. him on twitter and seeing the stuff they put out there so i think that's a great a great hard lesson to learn but man i i'm sure that feeling to put it back on felt great and now you yeah. know that motivation to keep it on there to earn it and to play that way so one yep. more shout out we got to give aiz martin the storms 6 4 270 pound lineman known as z comes up with the huge blocked punt at the end of the third quarter elijah endris returns the returns the punt to the and puts the storm on the Sherrard 10-yard line, that's where Gosen scored three plays later. That led to the victory. So yep. that's a game-changing special teams play. Mitch, you need those. Those plays are huge. Yeah, in, in tight games like this, you, you you look for any advantage that you can get and, and take advantage of any opportunity that, that comes up. So, uh, yeah, cool, cool play here. Uh, good for him. And, uh, again, as we mentioned, good for Brill Valley to get the win here. Yep. Let's move into another tight game in Three Rivers action. Kiwani over Morrison, 16-14. Mitch, this one was a tight game throughout. The Mustangs had a chance to tie the game late. A bad snap on a two-point conversion allowed the Boilermakers to hold on for the win. Morrison scored on a 40-yard pass from Danny Mao to Chase Newman. That made it 16-14. But like we said, the snap would go over the over the uh, head of the holder Mustangs recovered, but it couldn't convert on two points. So a heartbreaking loss for Morrison, but Mitch, a great win for Kiwani. Mitch, did you see the highlights from Kiwani? It's the debut of the new field turf. Yeah. And they had some cool effects on the field there. I saw the highlights of the touchdown they scored. They had the flashing lights, the flickering lights effect sure. on the touchdown. It was awesome. Yeah. Great, great looking atmosphere there in Kiwani. Um, good bounce back win for them, uh, having lost to Monmouth Roseville uh, last week. Still trying to figure out both of these teams. Um, you know, Kiwani, uh, again, a bigger school than Morrison uh, in, in terms of, of enrollment size. To squeak away with a win here and then adding in their week one loss. Trying to, again, still trying to figure them out a little bit. Um, Morrison the same. Played Newman tough week one. Now played Kiwani tough. Are those good signs for the Mustangs? It's it's hard to know as they move through the season here. But um, yeah, to have a chance late against a bigger school than you, I would have to think is encouraging. So um, yeah, so great great atmosphere there in Kiwani. And Greg, we're gonna keep the uniform uh, talk going because I saw the highlights on this on the score. Looks like Morrison's got white pants now, so an all white set for for Morrison. That seems new. I did notice that. Yeah, I was going to ask you're the you're the go-to on Morrison, all things Morrison. I, Do you remember all white look at, at at any point? I think a long time ago. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um that you know they kind of went through some some different uh options over the years. They had that weird gray look a they did, couple that's years right. back which yep. was not good. I think they had blue pants maybe at one time. I don't remember specifically. Okay. So, um it almost looked like it was a different white jersey too, because they have yeah. they have a pretty solid, simple Adidas set. But from the highlights that I saw, it looked like it was almost a different jersey. So I'm not I'm not quite sure, but the white pants are certainly new. Um, looks fine, I, I suppose. I'm I guess I'm more 
uh, privy to the red look, the traditional red look. But yep. uh, nonetheless, again, we always appreciate teams trying the alternate options. So uh, we can't uh, hate on it too much. Well, Mitch, without going down the rabbit hole too far, what are your thoughts on, I didn't really see any blue trim in this Morrison uniform. Yeah. Do you need, do you need blue trim as that accent color for Morrison? I think we, I think when we did our uniform rankings last year, the year before, we kind of talked about this, that I think the way that they, they did it with that Adidas set was fine. You know, yep. it, it looked good, looked traditional. Um, I, I do like the trim. I think anytime you can incorporate a third color on any of the jerseys uh, of any team we're talking about is always a nice little touch. Um, I know the locals, the traditionalists in Morrison don't like it. Oh, okay. That's or, or, good. Or That's least, news to me. Or at least to see it, yeah. you know, utilize a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I think there's maybe baseball teams that have an all blue Jersey and Morrison and, you know, it's just <laughs> not what they're used to. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would prefer to see it, but I think that the, at least their home jerseys is subtle enough that it works. All right. We better keep going here. We'll talk all night about uniforms. Yeah, right. So, all right. A couple more games in the three rivers, actually just one more game. Uh, St. Bede over Erie Prophetstown, 41 to 20. Mitch, after running for all four touchdowns in St. Bede's win in week one, John Brady ran for two more and also threw four touchdown passes to four different receivers. Mitch, one of us really talked up St. Bede last week and uh, predicted them to win this game. Man, I just, I can't think of who it was. I don't know if it was me or you, but yeah, who's who's to say who can remember um <laughs> all right fine it was it was you it was you fine yeah right um <laughs> i've i've been impressed with st bead for the last season and a half now you yeah know, they they were so good last year with brady and tyreek fortney um this year wasn't quite sure what to expect with fortney moving on but so far man that they, they are a tough team um and against a really good eerie prophet sound team here um and, and speaking of them for Jace Grunder, another great game. Uh, that's back-to-back weeks for him. 19 carries, 219 yards, and two scores. So they're certainly going to do damage the rest of the year. But I, I think St. Bede's going to be in position again this year to be I, – I haven't looked at their schedule, but maybe a 6-3, and 7-2 and two team again and uh, make 2A playoffs for sure. Yeah, well, so we, we joked about – you know, 1A, I'm sorry, they're 1A. Yep, exa- yeah. We joked – I joked about, you know, our prediction last week. You said St. Bede, and I, I quickly followed and said, no, I'm going with Erie Prophetstown because they impressed me in their win against Mendota. And I yeah. thought, that's a great springboard for this team. I really like what I saw in Erie Prophetstown. I like Jace Grunder, and I like what they have. They were so proficient on offense. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect with St. Bede. They came off a win against Sherrard, but I just, I really like the quality win against Mendota. But man, here we are. Like credit to the St. Bede. They played really well. Yeah. And I think kind of what we're talking about with the Western Big Six, I kind of think the same here in the Three Rivers, with the exception of Princeton. I think there's going to be parity. I think there's really good teams that uh, have had even, you know, one in one records, your props on being one of them, that I think they're, you're just going to see a lot of, and the listeners can't see me doing this, but just <laughs> a lot of shifting in the standings throughout the season. So, um, St. Bede might be one of those kind of in the Princeton territory where they, they, you know, uh, maybe above all of that shifting, but a lot of parity, parity, um, in this conference, a lot of good teams. So this is going to get interesting, I think, as we move forward. Yeah. So I, like I said, I thought we had two games left. We only had one game left because Mendota 
had the forfeit win over Riverdale. So yeah. Mendota gets the victory there. They are now sitting at one and one. They lost to Erie Prophetstown in week one. So see how they can bounce back. Mendota will be at Bureau Valley in week three. Kiwani will be at St. Bede. That's a really interesting one. Kiwani at St. Bede. Mm-hmm. Hall is at Princeton. Newman at Orion. Morrison at Monmouth Roseville on Saturday. Sherrard at Erie Prophetstown also on Saturday. And Rock Ridge had Riverdale scheduled, and they, I think, will take the forfeit win there. I've not seen any updates on their schedule. So where, where are you at, Mitch? What do you like here? Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's not one that sticks out. I th- I think probably St. Bede and, K- and Kiwani, again, two teams – uh, as I mentioned, talking about Kiwani, still trying to figure them out a little bit, um, where as St. Bede seems to be a little bit more established. But again, you're playing a bigger school. You never know what's going to happen there. Um, uh, and the, I guess the next one would be just talking about, as much as we've talked about Princeton, Hall's coming off a very good win. That's a traditional rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen there. So um, newman Orion, you know, who can get their second win of the year, get a bounce back win after tough, tough uh, games here in week two. So yeah, there's a lot of intrigue here on, uh, on on week three. Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to very similar dynamic to the Geneseo UT, that kind of like separator game. I'm looking at Kiwani and St. Bede, and then also Newman and Orion as mm-hmm. those like, those are separator games. Those are teams that are similar in standings. In which direction are they moving? And I'll throw in Mendota at Bureau Valley as well. Mm-hmm. I think you look at those games and think which direction are these teams headed? These are kind of those separator games. Yeah. Um, I th- that was maybe the third game I was going to go to BV at Mendota. I think that Mendota coming off of their, you know, uh, a bye week and Bureau Valley coming off a win. That's two different, you know, interesting dynamics um, and see if uh, again, when we're talking about uh, Newman and Orion, which team can get their second win of the year, obviously for Mendota, it'd be their first kind of game win, so to speak. So um, uh, again, looking forward to a lot of these because there is some intrigue in a couple of these games and could be some separators here early on. The game I referenced it earlier, Newman at Orion, that one intrigues me because I want to see how Orion can bounce back after the tough law, I mean, they've really ridden the roller coaster here. They get the big win in week one and they got a freshman quarterback and they got uh, Kratzberg at running back playing mm-hmm. really well, like he did last year, but then they run into that steamroller called Princeton, but now they got to bounce back against a tough team in Newman, a team in Newman. That's obviously now very hungry for victory because mm-hmm. of the way they went down to rock Ridge. So I start looking at that one and thinking, can Newman hold orient in check and on the flip side can newman's defense get going can they create positive momentum and then you know where does orient's defense fit into this can they slow down a newman team that's trying to figure out you know how to really get rolling how to be that blue machine on offense mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i think you said it all i have nothing to add there Greg. <laughs> there's just like you said, a lot of parody, and it's just I'm really curious to see how this week plays out. And Mitch, this is this is why we do the podcast is I love this. Yeah. Like each week, you find these matchups and think, 
well, how does this one turn out? And if it does turn out this way, then what happens moving forward? So this is it, man. We're in the thick of it. This is why we do it. A lot of great Three Rivers games. There's going to be just as many good ones we're going to talk about moving into the Lincoln Trail Conference. Mitch, let's run down the week two scores. And I want to start with two teams in Rova Williams Field and Stark County. Two Mm -hmm. teams that struggled a year ago that now are off to great starts. We'll start with Rova Williams Field. They get the non-conference win over DuPo, 42-16. to Mitch, let's just dive straight into some of the names and the numbers leading the way here. Riley Danner, 186 yards passing and a touchdown. Jackson Sharp, 109 total yards and a touchdown. Brian Bertelshofer, 110 rushing yards. Interception return for a touchdown. But Mitch, that's not it. You got Luke Nelson, Jack Godsell, Spencer Brown, Nolan Coverdill, all with a rushing touchdown. And I haven't even talked about their defensive effort yet. Mitch, give yeah. me the defensive rundown. Yeah, uh, you don't win by uh, you know forty-two to sixteen without some defense. So let me give you this: Lewis Sams, Gage Aldridge, or Aldridge. Yep, there Brian you go. Brian Burleshoffer, Nolan Coverdale, all of them, all four of them had interceptions. Uh, and, and then one more, Brody Bledsoe had a fumble recovery. So that's five turnovers that we know about in, in, in the stats here. Um, another name that you talked about who had a rushing touchdown, Luke Nelson, getting it done on the defensive end, five solo tackles. Um, and another impressive performance by Rova. Really liked them the past two weeks. Um, adding into that sort of can – in the absence of A-Town, can Rova kind of step up into that challenger to Knoxville, that challenger to Mercer County? Because they certainly played that way uh, the first two weeks. Yeah, I think they're a team that we were anxious to see what they could do. Yeah. And so far, they've played well. And they, they've kind of led us to think, like, there could be something here. I, I'm excited to see where this team goes. And, Mitch, we got to talk about two really exciting elements here. Yeah. New new uniforms and a new turnover celebration. Yeah. Mitch, this, this turnover celebration, we're going to start there. This is gold. This is great. Did you see these photos on Twitter? I saw them. I like it. Um, I have so many thoughts on. <laughs> okay. I, I've, I have thoughts that I can hold to myself on some of these turnover props. Because okay. I think that sometimes they get a little bit played up, but yeah. I like it when it's more fun and more team oriented. You know what I mean? Um, and, and not to take away from Princeton's turnover chain. Yeah. Um, but things like, I think we talked about the first week, like UNLV in the college ranks has a turnover slot machine. <laughs> um, and I've seen what Rova has does here. I've seen them do it before. I've seen it been done before at other schools. So uh, yeah, roll out the basketball hoop put some sand or some water in that thing. And we're going to be dunking every time that we have a turnover there. So uh, yeah, really, really cool to see. Uh, and again, anything that can incorporate the team uh, add a little bit more of a fun element here. Um, and they were, they were dunking with all of these, uh, these turnovers that they had on uh, Friday. Well, the, the photos are awesome. The one that really caught my, me was uh, a kid. I can't tell his number. It's, it's two something. He's going, he's going under the legs. He's going like the old, like, I don't know who is it, like, you know, J.R. Ryder back in like the 90s dunk contest, oh like going yeah. through the legs. You remember that? Sure. Like it's for Vince Carter. How about that? It was a little more 
yeah, a little, fine. almost more modern reference. Not quite right. modern, but yeah. Yeah. But um, it was, it is impressive. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of impressive. Yeah. Let's talk about what they were wearing. So they're going with an all gray set. Yeah. Pants or the jersey and the pants, all gray with the maroon and the gold striping yep. with a white helmet. Yep. Mitch, I think it's a slick look. I really like it. Yeah. I, I'm, I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. I'm a sucker for that kind of, uh, that, that style of red and gold kind yep. of look um, similar to Stockton or, or some other teams that we cover. So um, when you can deviate from that a little bit, but kind of keep the same aesthetic, um, it looks really good. Great. You know, if that jersey were black, I don't know if I would like it that much just because you're talking about a couple different dark colors. So you incorporate a gray um, with your white helmet. Really looks sharp. Really, I think those are BSN jerseys. So uh, really nicely done on the whole team there. Uh, and good on Rolla for going outside the box here and having a nice uniform. Yeah, before we wrap it up, we got to give credit. So the, the turnover celebration is the dunking on the small hoop. But guess what, Mitch? You know, you get that turnover, you get that interception or that fumble. Guess who's got to hold up the basketball hoop? It's that lineman, man. Linemen yep. are always putting in the work behind the scenes. No one yep. ever sees it. I'm giving credit to those linemen because they're holding okay. that hoop up for the for the scoop for the score. So yeah. credit where it's due. So Love it. let's move into another team that is now sitting at two and zero. The Stark County Rebels. They get the win this week over A Town, twenty one to nothing. This game was actually called off at halftime. Storms rolled in during the game. They already they started on Saturday night. So with storms kind of going throughout the night, Coach Nord tweeted out that the game, they really didn't have any options left by the time it got yeah. that late because they have JV freshman soft games on Monday. So for both teams, they really kind of had to figure out something to do. So ended up being a 21-0 final. But credit to Stark County. Once again this week, they look good. And, and they're getting the job done, Mitch. And they're sitting at 2-0. Yeah, I saw them put out a kind of a statement. So I don't know if there was controversy behind that or maybe just some confusion on why they called it off. But, I mean, it sounds to me like it was the right decision um, when, when you're running into bad weather and then certainly going into the next day, so to speak. So um, regardless of the circumstances, yeah, Great win for Stark County, A-Town, the defending champs here. Having a down year, but always good to beat a team like that. So, yeah, Stark County 2-0 now. Uh, great win, and uh, looking forward to seeing what they can uh, do this year. And we're going to find out for sure, and we'll talk about this in a minute, what they're made of with Knoxville coming to town next week. Yeah, that'll be a tough test, but getting the job done in this one against A-Town. Again, a name we referenced last week, Luke Rewerts had 93 yards rushing, had two touchdowns. So great effort from him. You also had Matthew Bowser, uh, a reception for 40 yards. So great effort all the way around from the Stark County team. And Mitch, a, team, a name we say every week, he does a little bit of everything for him. Daniel Kaiser, he punts, he kicks, he plays on offense. He's just another, a Swiss army knife as we've come yeah. to call him. So great effort all the way around from Stark County. The Rebels are now sitting at 2-0. Mitch, another team at 2-0. Knoxville gets the win over Mercer County, 32-22. I think this was the marquee matchup in the Lincoln Trail Conference. And mm. 
another statement win. I think this is a statement win for Knoxville showing that they were at the top of the conference a year ago and they don't really look like they're going anywhere. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. Defense turned them over five times, including interceptions by Bo Honeycutt, Will Shreves, and Bo Laws. So just a great effort from this Knoxville offense and defense to get this win over a Mercer County team that we think is going to be very good, has looked very good in week one. Yeah, we, we've talked about Knoxville for the past couple of years on how good their offense has been, usually traditional running attack. Um, and, and again, as you mentioned, all of these uh, great performances on, the, on their defensive end, their quarterback, Bo Honeycutt, who you mentioned, just had an interception. Let me give you this. Three of three passing, 143 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> Doesn't awesome. get any more efficient than that. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about efficiency, we see that several times. That's the one. That's the efficiency. Yeah. In the second half of this one, the play that really broke this game open, Oscar Young, a name we talked about as one of the returning impact players, one of their returning running backs off a team that had lost a lot of talent from their running back position. He had a big 88-yard touchdown run, so good for him to see him step into that spotlight. That's what made it 26-14. Like I said, that really kind of broke it open. Jackson Johnson, again, had another great week, 117 yards, a touchdown. In total, defense forced five Mercer County turnovers, so just a great effort like we referenced all the way around on all facets of the game for Knoxville. Yeah, and even right before halftime, a great play by I believe this was even Bo Honeycutt, uh, Mercer County threatening to score. And Honeycutt kind of rips the ball away from a, a Mercer County running back at the three just before they were going to score. So that at that time, that would have been like an 18 to 14 game, something around there. Um, so a, a tremendous play in addition to his interception, a tremendous play uh, to stop that momentum before halftime. And, uh, and again, they scored right away on that Oscar Young score. So, yep. Yeah, this was an all-around effort for them and a really good game, as you said, the marquee game in the conference. And Knoxville, again, kind of keeps their name at the echelon, top echelon of this conference as the team to beat now, as they were the co-champs last year with A-Town, A-Town having that down year. Knoxville looks really good. There's there's teams that are, are chasing, but again, a good win for Knoxville. Yeah, I think this this Knoxville team with this win really puts themselves on the radar you know, in our NUICfootball.com polls that Kyle Kampmeyer runs that we both contribute to, Knoxville is now tied for sixth overall yep. in the state. So they're sitting at 2-0, and tied for sixth in the rank in the polls there. So this is a great start for them. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a surprise because they were right there last year as the conference champion and a team we expected to be good. But this was an early test, a test for them right off the bat against Mercer County. Mercer County will be back. I have no doubt they will continue yeah. to play well. But um, yeah, this was a big win for Knoxville. Let's move into Anawan Weathersfield gets the big win over West Hancock 60 to 60 to 6. Zeb Rashid, another four touchdown game. Mitch, he he looks great for the Titans. They're off and rolling. They're sitting at 2 and 0. Yeah, a team that we kind of talked up thinking that they were going to have a better year uh, this year than they did last year. And so Two wins for them um, and, and a, a big win here over West Hancock. So they've got the momentum, um, a, a big game next week against a team that's coming off a big win as well. So good start here to the season for Animal Weathersfield. And now as we get into 
more and more Lincoln Trail games, I think we're going to see them again push towards being in that Knoxville territory at the top of the conference. Yeah, they're sitting now at 2-0. and They are number nine in the NUICfootball.com poll, so they are now in the top 10 as well. Yeah, and they got some tests coming up, one of them being against Princeville. Princeville gets the win over United, 44-20. to So Princeville now moves to 1-1. One and one. Tough start for United. They fall to 0-2 in LTC play after an impressive year. Uh, you know, last year, oppressive season a year ago. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what they can do moving forward. Mitch, let's jump into the Lincoln Trail schedule for week number three. A non-conference game, West Carroll goes to A-Town. Mercer County goes to United. Anawan Weathersfield is going, or sorry, Princeville is at Anawan Weathersfield. Knoxville at Stark County. And Rova Williamsfield hosts a non-conference game against Macomb. That last one that I read is the one that interests me a lot. Yeah. It's a non-conference game. Rova Williams Field going up a little bit bigger school in Macomb. And Macomb is sitting at 2-0, and playing really good football so far. Yeah, kind of as you, as you said that, the same thing kind of hit my, my thoughts. That that's a good game for them. Um, Again, won't affect their conference standings, but it will maybe affect how they play the rest of their conference games. If they can put up a good performance against Macomb, if they can win that game, boy. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to them seeing a really good opponent in Macomb. As I referenced earlier, I think Knoxville going to start County is going to be a big game. Again, one of those separator games. Can Knoxville go even further ahead in the standings? Can start County kind of match them? Uh, Anna Weatherfield and Princeville, two teams coming off big wins here. And then Mercer County, can they bounce back? Can United get their first win of the year? And then A-Town um, uh, against West Carroll, two teams that haven't gotten a taste of victory yet. One team will come out ahead on that game. So, um, But if I had to pick one, just in terms of, of conference record, you know, uh, from that standpoint, Knoxville and Stark County is where I'm going to be focused on. Yeah, I think the one that I'm focused on is Anawan Weathersfield and Princeville. And the reason being, if Anawan Weathersfield wants to get back up to that, well, if either team, either one of them wants to move past that kind of five and four record, they want to be on the top end of the conference standings and be in the mix for that conference title, this is a must win. Mm-hmm. I think this is another separator game. If you're going to be one of those names we're talking about in week seven, eight, nine as a potential conference champion, you got to win this one, especially for Princeville sitting at one and one. But for Anawan Weathersfield as well, I think it, this is a yep. must. This is a big, important game early on in the season. Yeah. Also, a quick shout out to Anawan Weathersfield. I don't remember if I had seen them before. Great uniforms. Great look. They always have a great look. I've liked their, they've modified it a little bit over the years, but they've always had a good look. Yep. Yeah, I saw the highlight. I, this was one of the games I caught watching the score, and I uh, I just happened to notice it and looked great. That might be credit to it's actually so Jeff Parsons is now the athletic yeah. director for Fulton, right. but he was at Weathersfield for years and was you know kind of directing traffic there at Anawan Weathersfield football program. Maybe he's the credit for some good looking uniforms. I'll have to I'll have to yeah. ask him maybe. What if they What if they came up with a way to have a retro Anawan uniform and a retro Weathersfield. Oh Wouldn't man. That be something? Uh, actually speaking of that, they are playing, they play one game a year 
in Anawan. And this, I believe, is the week they're playing in Anawan. Mitch, okay. have you ever been to a football game in Anawan? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it just feels so old school. Like yep. there's very little bleachers. It's everybody standing along the fence line, yep. not even the fence line. It's that old wooden, you know, wooden pillars with like the thread going through it. Like it's just, right. that's what separates you from the field. They're used to have coaches up on the roof because they had no real, like real press box or real mm-hmm. like coaches boxes, but it's just an old school feel. It's the park right next to the high school. Yep. I love it. I may have to make that my game. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But I, I yep. love going to a game in Anawan. So yeah, no doubt. All right, let's move into more classic small school football. The Northwest Upstate Illini. Mitch, let's run through week two scores. We got to start with Dupec 36 to 26 over Forreston. This was number nine Dupec in the class 3A standings versus number five Forreston in the 1A standings. So a great battle in the NUIC. Really interesting game. Interesting start to this one. Dupec uses a fake punt to keep their opening drive alive. That led to A.J. Mulcahy scoring the first points of the game. 27 yards up the middle. Goes untouched. He finishes the game with 141 yards on 12 carries. A few minutes later, a moment later, they grab the onside kick. Then Will Howard catches a 34-yard touchdown pass from Cooper Hoffman. So without running a play from scrimmage, the Cardinals are down 14-0 in this one. So mm-hmm. just and not, not the start you want if you're Forreston or that coaching staff. But the key to the game in this, we already kind of referenced it, the Dupec special teams. I mean, a fake punt, an onside kick. They also returned a punt for a touchdown. This was a well-played game by Dupec, but those little yep. things make a big difference. Yeah, especially when you, you know, you go that, take out that quick start, 14-0. Forston not only outscored them the rest of the game, they outgained them the entire game. Forston uh, outgained out, out Dupec 409-334. to 334. Um, And in that second half alone, this really kind of kept the Cardinals in it. They ran 51 plays. Dupec only ran 10. That's so crazy. Yeah. We, we've talked about Forreston's ground game and that kind of clock management, how good they are at doing that. They certainly uh, did that to the best of their ability in this game. Always tough to come from that sort of uh, that hole, that 14 up and hole, always hard to do it against a bigger team like Dupec and certainly a really good team like Dupec. Um, so, yeah, again, this was a great game. Like you, like you were mentioned earlier, good win for Dupec. Um Forced and hanging tough against a tougher opponent. I think that'll, that'll play dividend for them here uh, throughout the rest of their season though. Yeah. Well, you start looking at the NUICfootball.com top 10 and they actually forced and actually moves up in the rankings yeah. after this loss. They're a one in one football team, but they're sitting at number four in class one a. And I think that's very valid. I, I think that's very justly deserved because I think they're a great football team. And yep. this was a huge test against the Dupec team that was a playoff team in 3A a year ago. They look primed yep. to be that 3A playoff team again this year. So, yes, it's a loss, but I think it's a loss that they were challenged. And for a lot of the game, they held up to that challenge. Unfortunately, like we talked about, they gave up too many points early. On the flip side, looking at Dupec, Mitch, this team, again, continues to impress me. 
there's another, there's a new Hoffman at quarterback and it's like, they haven't, they haven't missed a beat. Yeah. Sophomore uh, Cooper Hoffman, 13 of 15 in this one, 150 yards, two scores. He ran for 36. Uh, You mentioned AJ Mulcahy, another great game. He's so fun to watch. 158 total yards, three touchdowns. Let me give you this, Greg, 25 tackles on defense, 10 solo. He was in on 15 more. That is not a typo. 25 tackles for him. That is that is insane. I didn't see that note in here until you just read it. That yeah, man, that is nuts. And 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 just kind of continuing on with their how much talent they have uh, on, on you know players that play both sides. Will Howard six receptions for 99 yards and a score, and then he had 10 tackles. So uh, just a a really good team here in Dupec. Um, not to go without mentioning uh, Force and players. Uh, you know, my guy, Johnny Cobbler, I hope that's, I hope I, again, I hope that's how we pronounce his name. It is in my head, 113 yards, another great game for him, 20 carries, Caleb Saunders, uh, 47 yard touchdown run in this one. So the force and rushing tackle is going to be there. Um, and, and again, I think a game like this playing a team like Dupec so tough. And again, just looking in that second half alone, running 51 plays against that really good Dupec defense. Um, it will pay dividends for them here as they continue on in the NUIC. You know, we talked back and forth last week with Coach Janicki from Forreston, and I almost asked him how to pronounce this name, I, but I don't yeah. think you want to know. So I, I want to be respectful. I, I want to be respectful, but in my head, like that, that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Well, more NUIC football. Lena Winslow gets the win 48 to 24 over Dakota. Lena Winslow's the number one team in Class 1A in our polls. And for good reason, Mitch, in this matchup against Dakota, they've won every matchup since 2012. Mm-hmm. New Panther quarterback this year, Drew Streckwald, only threw three passes in week one. This week, he goes three for five, 158 yards and three scores. So yep. I think that shows a little bit of, you know, a dynamic offense for this Lena Winslow team. They can pass when they need to. But we know that Gage Dunker gets it done on the ground, 148 yards. Jake Zeal adds another 100 yards. So they're going to get theirs too. Um, another good effort from Lena Winslow. They keep rolling on. Yeah, uh, same story um, here for the Panthers. What's different though, Greg? New uniform there Yeah, in, in Lena. We didn't mention it last week. I didn't you even caught- notice it. You caught this, and I had not noticed it. So yeah, they were, they were home last week, and we didn't catch it. And this is where things get tough for me, Greg. Okay, you know we've talked about them in the past, where their their previous uniform was more of just like the trim made up the number, right? Correct. On their on their home uniforms, it was just a white trim that made up the number. The you know the the filling was the same color as the jersey, so it kind of looked like a shadowy type of thing. Same thing on the road. Um, and my complaint about that was that it was probably hard to read if you were either a, 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 a statistician or someone covering the game. Um, now they've got better, easier to see numbers where it's just plain solid gold on a black jersey. It's, it's still very, very uh, subtle. You know, they don't do a whole lot, but seeing it kind of <laughs> makes me miss the old ones. It makes me miss them a little bit. It is, it is very, uh, army-esque like as in as in the army football program it it does look like the army type of football uniform um yeah and it's a little bit different font the number isn't quite the same font as it was in the past but it um you know it's still the same helmet it's that all black look 
with the gold accents, you know, it, it's still got that same feel to it, but you're right. It's a little yeah. different looking, but Hey, the numbers are now helping out, you know, the fellow journalists right. out there covering the game. So, yeah. And certainly not uh, affecting the gameplay on the field. Cause once again, well, as, as we've talked about uh, another, another big win for the defending champs and uh, business as usual. No. So as it turns out, it wasn't just the uniform that made them really nope. good last year or previous yeah. year. Is it nope. just in fact that they are really good. Right. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, well, let's move into some other teams that look really good in the NUIC. Mitch, how about Fulton? The Fulton Steamers were number seven going into last week. Mitch, on the NUIC.com poll, they're up to number three in the state okay. now. They're behind Lena Winslow and Camp Point Central. We'll talk about Camp Point Central a little bit here. But yeah. in the Class 1A rankings, Fulton's now up to number three. So an okay. impressive rise for them. They get the big win, 63 to nothing over West Carroll, led by productive games from their running back trio. Lucas Schroeder was leading Fulton Rusher. He had eight carries for 77 yards, three touchdowns. Ryan Eads chipped in with 63 yards, two touchdowns on six carries. Ben Fosdick added 42 yards and a touchdown on four rushes. So they're getting the job done on the ground. But Mitch, they can throw the ball around a little bit too mm -hmm. when they need to. We saw it last year, and we're seeing it again this year too. Yeah, uh, Braden Dykstra, four for five, 66 yards and a touchdown. Um, that touchdown went to Ethan Price. It was a 20-yard touchdown reception. Um, and on the defensive end, obviously, when you have a 63-0 game, you're going to do some good things on defense. Balen Damhoff returned an interception, 30 yards for a score. So, um, again, tough for West Carroll in their first season back. Some of this was was expected in a really, really tough conference. So, um, you know, Fulton kind of – they played uh, – did they play Lena in week one? Have they played Lena and Fulton in back-to-back -back weeks? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, at, le you know, at least they got two of their harder games out of the way. I guess that's the positive. But, um, yeah, good, good win for Fulton here. Um, good performance for them as they've got a tough game coming up with Dupac that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, so we'll talk about that one in a minute. Let's get to other games around the NUIC. Galena gets the non-conference win 35-6 to over Madison. They beat Madison last year in a non-conference game as well. Stockton gets the 26-6 to win over Eastland Pearl City. Mitch, you want to talk about hard-nosed, smash-mouth football yeah. That is the Stockton Blackhawks, 249 yep. yards on the ground, all of them on the ground. That Their total yardage, 249, all of them coming on the ground. Yeah, that's what we like to see and what we <laughs> expect from, from a Stockton Blackhawks team. So close, though. Um, EPC played this game close. It was only 6-0, six, 6-0 six and a half. Uh, Blackhawks added a couple of scores in the third quarter to really break it open. Carl Hub and Dustin Oppold did a lot of that work. 124 yards for Hub with two scores. Oppold had 69 yards and a TD. Riley Schultz had a TD and an interception on defense to keep this game out of reach for the Wildcats. So good for Stockton to get their win here. Um, and they have a game with Dakota next week that we'll talk about, which could be a winnable game for them too. So Stockton maybe will ride some momentum going into here to a, a big game in week three. Yeah, move into the action in week three, Dakota at Stockton. And Mitch, we should clarify, Wes Carroll has played Dupec and Fulton. They have to play okay. Lena Win right. They have to play okay. Lena Winslow. They play Lena Winslow in week four. So 
<laughs> they don't get much let up. In week three, they play A-Town. So an A-Town team, yes, Winnable. an A-Town team that is also looking for their first win. So somebody's going to come away with a win in that one. That will be in. Uh, that will be at West Carroll. West Carroll will be at home for that one. Other games around the NUIC, Eastland, Pearl City, and Forreston. Dupec hosts Fulton and Galena at Lena Winslow. So, Mitch, where are you at? What are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I don't think I have to surprise anyone saying that Dupec and Fulton is going to be a, a key matchup probably across our entire uh, coverage area, I think. Um, uh, again, this is a game that Dupec needs to win if they want to repeat as conference champs, and it's a game that Fulton needs to win if they want to establish themselves as an up-and-comer uh, here in the conference and, and make a run for that championship. So really excited to see this game. Two really good offenses, two really good defenses. Um, yeah, I, I hope uh, there's some coverage there being in Fulton. I think the, the score should be there. But this is, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this. Again, we've talked about separator games throughout the episode this is certainly one of them so fulton is at dupec okay for this one yes still send somebody there yeah i know i wish yeah <laughs> Go, I wish we could. right get the barn in the background get the whole thing i love it yep so uh galena will have a test going on the road to lena winslow the game i'm looking at is stockton and dakota sure. again if one of these teams wants to make the playoffs if they want to make that push to improve their record from last year, this kind of becomes a must win game, right? In week three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With what, with what both each team has played so far, obviously Dakota gets the Lee win game out of the, out of the way, but there's just so much competition in, the, in this conference, so many good games. So I think both teams are probably looking at this one as one of their winnable games of the year. And uh, yeah, Stockton coming off of that big win over, uh, Eastland Pearl City. So might give a slight nudge to them here, um, even going to, I guess they host Dakota, so a home game for Stockton. So yeah, um, looking forward to that one. But uh, Fulton Dupec is still going to be where my eyeballs are at for this week. Yeah, I think Fulton Dupec is the one I look at as well. And I think it's, you know, what can Fulton do to try to slow down this attack of Dupec? Now, here's the thing. I think Dupec did some things to sneak up on Forreston, but that's all on film now. So there shouldn't be any of those surprise elements, mm -hmm. but Fulton's still got to find a way to stop Mulcahy and stop Cooper Hoffman, who we hadn't seen really on game film in right. week one. So right. I think there's still a lot of things that Dupec has they haven't shown yet. And that's impressive because I think that Mulcahy's looked great. But that connection between Hoffman and Will Howard, what can Fulton do to stop that? Now, Mitch, what if this game comes down to the end? Andy Conage is a big leg for Fulton. Can he can he come up with yeah. a game-changing kick here? Yeah, I think in the pregame, maybe. It might have yeah. been week might have been week one. It might have been this week. It was like 55 yards or 55 something. Five yards. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. The, what, so, that's what you want to have. I mean, you know, because I there there are certainly going to be games where they're in that predicament. I think so. Um, you know, having a leg up to have a punt here, <laughs> but uh, just something you don't see here at this level all that much. Yeah. So great talent there, and uh, I, I think you know there'll there'll certainly be a time where that is needed. 
And uh, yeah, in a game like this, you never know. Yeah. How much fun would that be though, to see, to see him hit one of those kind of game winning field goals, you know? Yeah. So yep. yeah. All right. Well, we've gone through 11, man. Let's get into our eight man football. Mitch, the number one ranked eight man team in the state of Illinois Amboy, the Amboy Clippers get the big 68 to 14 win over River Ridge. Clippers leaned on a balanced scoring attack to overwhelm the Wildcats. Again, Tucker Lindenmeyer, four for four, 131 yards and two touchdowns through the air, added 54 rushing yards and a touchdown on six carries. So impressive way to lead that Amboy Lamoille, Ohio offense. Yeah. Um, uh, again, a great win in week one for Amboy. Another good one here. So they're, they're proving themselves to be that top-ranked team here in eight-man. Tucker Lindenmeyer was four for four, 131 yards, two scores, added a score, and 54 yards for him. Um, Brennan Blaine, good receiver there, hauled in three passes for 117 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Quinn Leffelman added two rushing touchdowns for Amboy as well. So this is just a really good – uh, I think they scored with four other players in this one. So just a really dynamic attack for Amboy um, as they, again, continue to march on in their, this, what, their second season in eight man. So yep. really just, they've, they found their footing. Um, good season, good ending to the season last year. Great start to the season this year. So uh, good to see from the Clippers. Well, and the tests will keep coming for the Clippers in week three They'll go up against Milledgeville. Milledgeville is currently the number two ranked team in the state of Illinois in eight-man football. They get the win in week two, 66 to 24 over Aquin. Mitch, this was a game I was at. And Mitch, I don't think I need to tell you, but just for the listeners here, man, a Friday night in Milledgeville is just perfect. I love going to Milledgeville. Such a great place to catch a football game. Old school, you show up in front. The brick high school's there. They got yep. the missile. They yep. literally have a missile on a stand yep. out front. It's it's awesome. I tweeted it out from my uh, from my Twitter account. It's just it's great. Uh, always get to run into my good friend Kyle Leach. He's in Milledgeville. He's a big Milledgeville fan, a big Milledgeville booster. He's always always great to run into. One of those people I wish lived closer because I you know I only get to see him about sure. once a year. But uh, right. nice guy. So he's happy. Milledgeville looks really good right now. Connor Nye threw two touchdown passes, rushed for two more scores, including one for 80 yards. He led the Milledgeville offense, but Colton Wilk returned a kickoff for 75 yards for a touchdown. He ran for touchdowns of 27 and 22 yards. He also hauled in a 25-yard touchdown pass. So they're looking good, Mitch, all the way around. Kaysen Johnson, another guy, um, bringing in a touchdown pass from Connor Nye. He looks good. He looked really good in week one as well. So this Milledgeville team, they were right with Amboy when we talked about teams returning players that were going to make an impact. Yep. And here we are. They're meeting up in a huge game in week three. Yeah, no no doubt about it. This is this was a good win for Milledgeville. Um, good momentum uh, as they go to this key matchup we talked about in week one uh, with Amboy and Polo where we're talking about a one and two matchup that could potentially be a state championship game. It could be a playoff matchup regardless. Same thing here with, with Amboy and Milledgeville, two of the best teams in eight man may not be the last time we see them. So looking forward to that. No question about it. Yep. Let's move along. Polo defeats Orangeville 40 to eight. Brock Soltow rushed for three touchdowns. Avery Grenoble rushed for two more overall Grenoble 
120 rushing yards on 11 carries. He caught a couple passes for 64 yards. Soltow amassed 163 yards, 21 carries. Mitch, I just can't imagine doing a podcast without saying the names Soltow and Granola right. when it com- when it comes to polo. They've been in our podcast for two years now. So right. Yeah, I don't want to, as we talk up Amboy and Millersville, certainly do not want to forget about Polo because they're a team that's been there throughout eight man's history. And I, I anticipate them being there again. This is a good win over a good Orangeville team. Good for them to get back on the right track. And as you mentioned, Soltal and Grenoble, uh, the, the two two of the best players in eight man, uh, really. And uh, they showed why here in this game. Yep, for sure. Let's talk about a couple other, a few other teams in eight man football outside of the NUIC Galva gets the win over Peoria Heights, 48-28. to Mitch, this is Galva's first win in eight-man history. This is their second year playing eight-man football, so credit to them. You know, yep. they had kind of an interesting offseason. They didn't have a head coach until about a month before the season right. started. So right. they were really kind of up against it, but credit to them. They've rallied together. They get their first win in eight-man football, so a nice story for the Wildcats there. Ridgewood gets the win over Bushnell Prairie City, 52-13. to Gavin McDonough led the way. He has nearly 300 yards in two games for the Spartans with five touchdowns. So mm-hmm. great way to start the season. Great way to start their first eight-man campaign. Right. Yeah, I think Ridgewood's, what, 2-0 and now, right? They, they won their first, their week one game. So, yeah, they're they're jumping right into it the same way Amboy did with, with early success. So, um, yeah, going to be a key player here as the season goes on. So, Mitch, going back to the NUICfootball.com polls, Ridgewood sits at 2-0. and They're only receiving votes. They have not cracked the top 10. And I will say they need to be in the top 10. Yeah. There are some teams that have some good, you know, rosters, a good pedigree going back to last year. But I think this Ridgewood team has proven themselves in their first two games. They need to be in the top 10. There's a couple one-in-one teams that are in there. Yeah. That, I don't know. I just think Ridgewood needs to be there. That's fair. And they're they're certainly going to get that first kind of test here uh, with a really good West Central team who who won 68-20 to 20 over West Prairie. Uh, and, and so that's a week three matchup that I would look at right away. Uh, in addition to Amboy and Milledgeville, because that's going to that's going to set up is Ridgeview as, as good as you know a, a traditional really good eight man team in West Central against the newcomer in Ridgewood. So who can come out on top here, and who is going to be again a player here um, as they move towards playoffs and everything? So really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be one of the biggest matchups in eight man of this week and of the next few weeks because it'll really tell a lot. It'll really be a separator. West Central currently sits at number three in the polls in the state. So Ridgewood, if they want to make that name for themselves, this is the way to do it. You know, they they got their chance against West Central. Yep. Looking through some other eight-man games, like you referenced, Milledgeville at Amboy, Orangeville at Freeport-Aquin, River Ridge at Flanagan-Cornell-Woodland, Bushnell Prairie City at Galva on Saturday, Rockford Christian Life at South Beloit, Ridgewood at Bigsville West Central. I think that's the big game of the week. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong uh, declaring that or Milledgeville at Amboy. I think both will uh, really set up the winners here moving towards uh, moving throughout the season. Um, four really big names in eight-man anymore. So, yeah, this will be a really fun week in eight-man football. 
Yeah, I certainly don't want to sleep on Milledgeville at Amboy. That's a huge game. Yeah. I just look at Ridgewood and West Central. I think one of those teams is is you know gonna grab gonna grab a marquee win. And I think, especially for Ridgewood, if they knock off West Central, that's a really big resume builder for them. If West Central gets the win, that keeps them right up there in the mix, depending on what happens with Amboy and Milledgeville. But yep. yeah, Amboy and Milledgeville will go a long way to determining who's at number one and who's staying there and certainly who's going to win their division in eight man and where they're going to end up in the playoff seating. So yep, a lot to be decided this week and down the road in eight man football. Mitch, do you want to run around the state real quick and see what, uh, what notable scores we have? Yeah, let's do it. Um, big schools. We talked about Bolingbrook last week and their quarterback, Jonas Williams, tough game this week with the Chicago Simeon Simeon comes away with the win 35 31 uh the aforementioned Williams was picked off by Simeon at the goal line to end it so that game came down to the wire great game there between the big schools um Greg I'm reading your notes here Simeon referring to themselves uh as the blue machine which Maybe in Chicago they get away with. On this well, podcast, they're going to, you know, on this podcast, they're going to rank second in terms of uh, teams that we like to call the Blue Machine. Well, I would say, like, yeah, they're calling themselves the Blue Machine. And maybe in terms of basketball, yeah, Simeon, Simeon can maybe right. claim the right to be the Blue Machine. On the football field, especially if we're on our own podcast, I think that I think the Newman may have that claim to be the right. blue machine, but Hey, it's a big win over Bolingbrook, a team that we talked about last week. So I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll, I'll let them, yeah. I'll let them use the moniker. That's a huge win for Simeon. I mean, it, right. to knock off a team like Bolingbrook is a huge win for them. So I'll, I'll let them use it for, for the short term, maybe, but I think long-term it's probably Newman and what they've built, but uh, right. Mitch, how about Joliet Catholic getting the win over IC Catholic 23, 22, JCA, the top-ranked team in 4A, IC Catholic, obviously a 3A powerhouse. This was a great game with a dramatic finish. Came down to the end. Yeah, uh, IC Catholic's Dennis Mandela. I talked about him a lot last year. I think he was a sophomore last year. I'm pretty sure he's still a a junior. Uh, Through his third touchdown pass of the night with two minutes left, gave the Knights the lead. But uh, as usual, Jake, uh, Joliet Catholic does not go away very easily. Uh, JT Schlegeter. Schlegeter. Yeah, that's, that's sure. a good guess. Yeah. Uh, would connect on a key fourth down pass on the way to a 22, sorry, 23 to 22 victory. About 3,000 people there at Joliet Memorial um, to give JCA their 22nd straight victory. Yeah, 22nd win in a row. And Mitch, you remember back in like 2016 when all of a sudden Joliet Catholic was one and eight. Yeah. And then the next year they were three and six and everybody was like, what's wrong with Joliet Catholic? Right. Well, the answer is nothing. No. Nothing, nothing is wrong with Joliet Catholic. They're, they're right here. So yeah, let's, let's move down to class one a and down farther down South in the state central A&M gets the win 49 to nothing over Marshall. They moved to two and zero. St. Teresa gets the win over Altoff Catholic, 54 to nothing. So they're also now 2-0. Overall, that's part of a great start for the Central Illinois Conference. So you got mm-hmm. St. Teresa and Central A&M at 2-0. You got Shelbyville, Oka Valley, Tuscola, and Warrensburg-Latham all sitting at 2-0. So, man, you talk about a great non-conference start for 
you know, central, the CIC, they, they look good so far. Yeah. yeah so the, the, the way that that season is going to play out is going to be really interesting. Uh, got some really good games here. Week three, St. Teresa at central A&M. Okaw Valley takes on Tuscola as well. So talk about separator games. We, we've talked about it, about it a lot. Yep. This conference is no uh, different here as they try and separate those two and O teams. Yep. Mitch, if we're looking at teams around the state that are making headlines, the team that stands out to me in class one, a camp point central, they're now up to number two in the NUICfootball.com yep. poll. They get the win over pleasant Hill 46 to nothing. Mitch, their point differential in their first two weeks, 89 to nothing. Yep. Pretty, pretty good. I don't, I don't know too much about Pleasant Hill, but obviously their, their week one win over uh, Carrollton made a lot of headlines. So they do it again here in week two. So not a fluke whatsoever. Really good team there at uh, Camp Point Central. Yeah. Going to class three, a Byron bounces back. They lost last, last week in a heartbreaker to Stillman Valley. They get the win over Winnebago 42 to seven. Mitch, a couple big games in eight-man football. A top 10 matchup was Decatur Lutheran. They edge out Pawnee 46-44. And another big one, number five in the state rankings, Milford Cisna Park defeats number six, Martinsville, 36-20. to So a, a big win there for Milford Cisna Park. They're a team that Kyle Kampmeyer was high on going into this year, and they get the win there in a ranked matchup. So see where they end up and where they match up against the NUIC. But for right now, they look really good getting that, that getting that win. Yep. So that was, uh, again, really good from an overall kind of standpoint, really, really exciting week two. And it's only going to get better here as we, as we continue to progress both from the conferences that we cover, uh, but statewide, this is where it starts to yep. even, even early on week three kind of starting to tighten up just a little bit. And uh, as teams start to kind of get the right footing, make sure they're in the right position to, uh, to keep moving week after week. Yep, I think so. I think that there's still, even those teams that are 1-1 one and one or 0-2, oh I think there's still that optimism. There's that potential. They still see a lot of opportunity out there. That's what's exciting about, you know, this week three, week four matchups. Yeah, I think I saw Bishop McNamara is 0-2. Oh I, I did I see still- I think I still ranked them in the top 10 because they had played like really good opponents. So it's true. It's hard to gauge. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think there's a lot of that and we'll, we'll probably see that more come playoff time teams with maybe records that you might, you know, second look at, and then they come up with a big victory. That's just, you know, how things go here. So yeah, excited to another week down and another week upcoming that uh, will be exciting. Well, Mitch, nothing is set in stone yet, but just looking over everything. What if I start my night? in Rova, in Oneida, yep. at Rova Williams Field for their game against Macomb. Mm-hmm. And then I head down the road and end up at Galesburg hosting Sterling. That seems like a pretty good Friday night. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of options for you here. You want, um, me, to, you want me to end up in Dupec, right? I do. I, I was trying to figure out a way <laughs> in my head that you could make it. Um, so I, I hope uh, someone's up there. Otherwise, the Rockford uh, area will, will have that covered. I bet for us, Rockford so. TV will probably have it covered, but uh, I, that's one I would love to get to. But I'm not sure it fits in the Quad Cities viewing area sure. travel plans. But uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mitch, will you be uh, will you be back at the controls of Twitter on Friday night? Yeah, should be around on Friday, so I'll be back in back in the saddle and uh, have uh, fingers on the pulse, so to speak, for uh, for all the action. 
I love it. You do great work and I appreciate it because uh, Friday night, if you noticed, all I was doing was retweeting like a madman whenever I had a chance yeah. to do it. So, yeah. So sh- shout out as, as always to our, our fellow media partners who are, are grinding out there. You know, we're, we're happy to share their work. I'm not going to say we're stealing it or taking credit for it at all. We're, we're hoping to share it. And, uh, but we'll be back and uh, uh, we'll be for the rest of the season. No doubt about it. Yeah, ready to go. Week three is here. Conference play in the Western Big Six. So, Mitch, the next time we talk, we'll have some uh, conference results from all around the area, but those big ones in the Western Big Six, see who gets off on the right foot. Yep, I'm really looking forward to it across the whole board and uh, can't wait for it. Sounds good. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.